0: Collect ourselves in silence. So, my friends, our last afternoon together, we've come around the spiral of the work that reconnects. We've been seeing with new eyes the third station. Last night, in the deep time, yesterday afternoon, and then I put deep time with the future beings, the ancestors, gosh, that was night before, wasn't it? And um, this morning, focusing on uh, the immensity of uh, what we are. Saint Francis called it, you know, he just had such a sense of, and his canticle to the sun and the uh, living earth around us. Boy, did he get it. And he called us this. Our life, inside out, is una immensa vita. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wes was helping us people that with uh, all the creatures of the wild as well as the four foundations of uh, material foundations of our uh, Constitution. And then uh, the mirror walk. Did you like that? Yeah. Uh, And and, you know, I was my own guide. (laughs) And I was excellent. (laughs) I got focused down and then this lovely guy who works on the grounds here came too and we were down on our hands and knees, and then that one over there came with these tiny, tiny flowers. So I'm thinking that the next time I do this here, I give everybody magnifying glasses. Then you want some looking at those little, yeah. So, <clears throat> so we have this blessed sense of uh, uh, all that we are and all that can work. Through us, and we come to the last station of the going forth. And uh, this afternoon, we just uh, are taking an hour, then we have tonight and uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, But I want to uh, talk about something that we're all talking about how we want to take part in the healing of our world, the changes we want to reinforced, become part of, and uh, <clears throat> it seems that it's really critical to get, to understand how novel and revolutionary is the understanding of power that is breaking through now. A systems thinker, I know, said, well, both Gregory Bateson and, and, um, Kenneth Boulding said, the biggest, the cognitive revolution of our time is in the understanding of power. So uh, I want to focus on that for this hour with you. First in a talk and then in a dance. Free dance. Uh, And uh, because we can have all the courage, of the motivation, of the gratitude and willingness uh, to uh, bring, take part in the great turning, work toward a life-sustaining society, but if we buy into old notions of power, we're crippled. So I'm going to do a chalk talk here. And it would help you and me enormously if you got real close. Mm -hmm. Because uh, this is, it'll help you see what I'm doing here. And uh, that's important. Because, and I'm, um, oops That's the spirit right up here. Now, uh, what I'm going to say is so fascinating (laughs) that you're going to, and it's something that you already uh, know a lot about, that you're going to want to contribute and bring up interesting questions and observations. And I'm going to ask you to uh, hold off on that <laughs> because this is a unique achievement. I pre- I've taken what's the equivalent of a semester university course and brought it down to 20 minutes. <laughs> so You have to be really on the vive. And we can always talk about it later. This may actually go as long as thirty
1: minutes,
0: (laughs) but uh, let's hope it because I have to. We have to save time to dance, right? You have to integrate it into your body. Power. Power. Shakti. So uh, I think they're right these uh, systems thinkers I was referring to, that they said this was such a big uh, revolution, cognitive revolution, because, and to appreciate that, I want to go back almost 3,000 years. Well, not that far. I want to go back to early Greece, the pre-Socratics. Because at that point, there were two views of reality that were up for grabs. And where the choice went has affected mainstream thinking and classical science ever since. And power is interesting is that our understanding of power comes directly from or is greatly influenced by how we consider reality to be constructed. So back then in early Greece there were two views and one was the view uh, of Heraclitus who said, Pantare, everything flows. And his images for that was, well, it was like flowing water or fire, constant transformation. Well, that was a little settling for most people. So the vote went to the other <laughs> view, which was associated with Parmenides of the Eleatic School. He took the opposite view, feel of you have here, sling this over my shoulder like a continental soldier there. <laughs> 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 Oops, all right. <laughs> you know, I feel like one of the Marx brothers are Okay. So uh, here is Parmenides and the other, she said, no, reality is made up of things, of entities, substance. That's what's really real. And things that change are less real. That was a very popular view at that point. Hindus thought that too, but at any rate, we're staying with the early Greeks. And so... We could, let's look at this first because this is what we all have been conditioned by and grown up with in our institutions. So, those are substances. That could be atoms, rocks, trees, people, nation states, selves, you, me. Essentially, that's what makes up the world. Well, that's very interesting. You know, that's what. Aristotle assumed, put things in categories and classifications, very useful. That's what Newton and Galileo assumed. And you can see how they bump into each other and the (coughs) uh, impact they have on each other. But what happens in between? Now, I'm using blue, I hope that you can see that I'm using a different color. Can you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What happens in between the things? The messages, the communications, the influences, the relationships. You can't see them. You can't see an influence. You can't even see a relationship. You see the people in it. So you can't see it, you can't weigh it, and it has been assumed to be less real. So if you're still with me, then we'll see what kind of notion of power stems from that basic assumption. And it's really sort of an axiomatic assumption. You can't prove it one way or the other, but it's a way of seeing So what's power then? Power is what one thing can do to another thing. It can exert its will. It can push it around. It can tell it what to do. It can reduce its choices. Well, you know, if you get pushed around hard enough... You can get damaged or even shattered in a thousand pieces. So you know what uh, then this view of power is closely allied with being able to have strong defenses. You hold yourself together. So, what I'm these talking these broad generalities, we're talking about the kind of power you'll see when you go home and look it up in the dictionary. And likely, as not you'll see among the definitions domination, subordination, mastery, um, imposition of will. So we could call that. But that's what we've assumed more or less that power is, but we'll call that, take the move that Starhawk took and just say, well, that's just a certain kind of power and we'll call that power over. Actually, you may question whether that's really power or not, but at any rate, this is what, how we have by and large in the mainstream for the last two, three thousand years have construed power. And as I said, well, I don't want to be pushed around. I can let you know that. So I'm going to build these defenses. And so this is fascinating. The notion of power became conflated with having strong defenses. Indeed, the notion of power becomes conflated uh, merged with a notion of invulnerability. So there are all kinds of defenses. As a woman born into this culture when I was, uh, mine are different. I learned to smile a lot. I don't really know, but I just think I know. <laughs> uh, so that's it. Uh, it works, but it's boring. <laughs> and uh, there is a, um, this is still, you just look at our country. There's a great pathos here. We are the last remaining, I, I'm talking about the United States, the last remaining superpower as we ceaselessly tell ourselves and others. And we spend more on military than all the other countries of the world combined. And that cost is eviscerating us, hollowing us out, weakening us, because we have, and part of it is this way that we understand that to be powerful You have to be invulnerable. I am so powerful, I will not change my mind. I mean, I grew up with that. Anybody else grew up with that? Yeah. So even to change your mind, remember in the last election or wherever, it was called flip-flopping, because you won't rigidly stand for one thing you once said. You... (laughs) So it's a kind of rigidity that's, that's uh, built into that. So uh, this kind of power, if uh, one thing to another, it's a top-down, isn't it? And what are some other, it, it affected our institutions and our language even. Natural
1: resources.
0: Are what? They're to be used. They're things for us to use. Mm-hmm. So, um, see, that kind of power would be. Uh, Exploitation. What? Exploitation? Yeah, take what you can get. Take and use all you can. What other, some of the other?
1: Relation to children, <clears> our <throat> relation to children the way adults relate to
0: children. Which is? Um, control, um, excellent Control, well, it's not just children.
1: <laughs> but, but that's yeah. so much of it beginning. Yeah,
0: yeah. You hear my word. This I, This. This is my last word. You hear it.
1: We used to call it the dad model, which would be decide, announce and
0: defend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> Decide announce defend. So, um punishment. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And with that there comes fear. And another, and oh, here's something really interesting about this notion of power: it is a property. You can have it. It's something you can get. It's something you can keep. It's a something. So we'll just put it here. There it is. Power. And that thing you can I, get
1: is zero sum. So the more you take, the more the people don't have to take.
0: Thank you, thank you. It's a zero sum game. It's, uh, which means like it's win-lose. For me to get power, I have to take it from you and I have to constantly be on the lookout that my powers, that I have the edge on you. So you're getting strong, powerful, and sassy. I can interpret and I'm conditioned to interpret it as a threat. So I'd like you to please just... Sit there and don't say another thing. (laughs) You know, whatever. It reinforces us and them. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to um, uh, rally your people, then you can use fear and fear of another. So this, I like the image of the teeter-totter. Seesaw, this kind of power is like that. So here I am sitting up here. And here you are sitting down here. And for me to go up, I hate to tell you this, (laughs) but for me to go up, you have to go down. It's the way it is. You could see this during the Cold War in Washington that uh, when any proposal around nuclear disarmament uh, from the Soviet Union was uh, seen as uh, some kind of menace, even when Gorbachev proposed a moratorium on building uh, missiles. And you could sort of hear the thinking clanking over in the uh, Pentagon. Well, if they want that... That means it must be good for them. Well, if it's good for them, it's bad for us. <laughs> so that immediate what's good for somebody else is, puts you at a disadvantage. Okay, anything more about that? We've drawn this in very large strokes, uh, but I, I don't want to uh, suggest that defenses are in any way a negative thing. Defenses are needed in nature. Life needs to be protected. Take the germplasm of a seed. It has a shell, a husk, to protect it. There it is. Okay, it's protected. Ooh, but what if you want it to grow? Well, then you put it in the ground. The shell, the husk, breaks apart for the power to... Breakthrough. So protection and defense and creative power are two very different things. And we all need protection and we all need defense. We can choose which we want. But don't equate that with being powerful because that puts us into a very funny box of thinking and, and perceiving. So are you dying to know what the revolution has brought? (laughs) Well, about the same era of the um, 20th century that the atom was split, the uh, biologists, this time the revolution in thinking came from the natural sciences and from the life sciences and from the biologists. And they saw that the uh, body of thought that was built up around what this is essentially one-way causality or what they call the unidirectional causality, it was not, could not explain how living forms evolved or complexified. It could explain the second law of thermodynamics and the first, but it couldn't explain what life you see life doing. So the... These biologists, and chief among them, sort of the spokesperson for them, was a guy named Ludwig von Bertalanffy. And uh, so I'll be quoting him a little bit. And it's like, but it's like uh, they turned the lens through their questions even more than through their instruments. They turned the lens through which we see reality. And instead of seeing separate entities, what did they see? they saw flows and streamings and currents of what? Energy. Matter energy and information. Matter energy turn into each other and then there is energy that follows the same uh, Principles as matter energy and uh, creating looping back on itself circuits and loops and feedback loops that created sort of knots or. Pockets of self organization, or and the word that stuck was system an open system. And they saw that, and Ludwig von Bertrand he said, and because he is seen as the father of systems theory. He says it's not really a theory, it's a way of seeing. And what we see is that everything that is a whole that is made up of interdependent components like a, an atom, or a molecule, or a cell, or an organ, or a circulatory system, or an organism, or a tree, or a plant, or an ecosystem, or a family, or a mind, or a society, or an economic or political system, all of those exhibit the characteristics of self-organizing open systems where they're in constant change and organized by a flow-through of matter, energy, and information. So, even if you don't get my words, maybe the most important thing for you to get, which is why I wanted you to be able to distinguish the blue and the black, is that it's a figure-ground reversal. That what had been in the foreground defining our perceptions and... Ideas of what's the most important recedes and become in importance and becomes a function of what had been invisible before. That the streamings become the most important. Well, this was such a, uh, an amazing shift. That even the scientists themselves weren't were dissatisfied with their equations and their uh, axioms and their written words. They turned to images to try to, give, to, to go from a view of the reality that was stuff based to a view of reality that was flow based. They uh, used uh, images. Here are some. But by the way, let me tell you, von Bertalanffy was asked at one point who his teacher was, can you guess who he said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
1: can,
0: <laughs> and I can imagine his questioners saying, "Well, you're we thinking of somebody more recent. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would have said, because he... Uh, if you want somebody more recent, my other teacher was Nicholas of Cusa. That was a 15th century cardinal. Yeah, who, uh, because uh, f- the biologists, the systems thinkers, were fascinated with what makes things whole, how holes arise, uh, a whole thing, a whole person. Uh, A whole plant, uh, a whole cell, and it's made of intense activity—the activity that of all the component parts. And if you take one ingredient component out, it's uh, it's different. Or if you add one, it's different. So. What's not a system? What's not a whole? A pile of bricks or a pile of leaves or the contents of a shopping cart or a pile of zafus. Could be us uh, five days ago. But the longer we're together and work together, we begin to display the characteristics of a social system. Okay, I was going to show you the Uh, images that the systems thinkers used. One was Whirlpool. He said, this is what a system is like. This was Norbert Wiener of MIT. And his quote, we are not stuff that abides. He's talking about us. We are not stuff that abides permanent. We are patterns that perpetuate themselves. We are whirlpools in a river of ever-flowing water. And another, let me see if I can reach that red, was flame. A system is like a flame. It Keeps its shape by burning. See, we've got the notion that in order to say, uh, to uh, continue, in order to be alive, we need maybe to stay the same. But sameness is the enemy of life. And that things dance into existence. And it's are tra- constant, constant transformation. So the matter in, matter out, and the candle keeps its shape by burning. This image was used a very, in a way very moving to me, in the civil rights movement. I have a recording of a preacher in Albany, Georgia talking to his flock. Reverend Gay was his name, his congregation outside. The sheriff, Bull Connor, was waiting with hoses and police dogs and he was motivating his congregation to walk to the jails and fill the jails, asking for the vote. They'd been arrested for trying to register. And you know what he said? He didn't say, you know, you're unbreakable, you're so strong, you're like a bulldozer. He didn't use that image at all. He said, this is virtually verbatim, I have heard that the sun is burning itself out at a great rate of speed. You see, it shines by perishing. And so does a candle. It burns, it gives light by perishing. It shines by perishing. And so do you and I, brother and sister. We shine by perishing. When you see yourself as change, there's less to be scared of, perhaps, Or the whole notion of what life is and how to protect yourself ch- shifts. Action becomes not something that you pick up, and I'm go, you know, register the voters or what have you. But if you yourself are action, then it becomes just a question of how you guide it, what your motivation is. Ooh, I'll be there, but we're acting all the time, you're being verbs. So this shift is a shift from stuff-based view of reality to flow. from noun to. Verb. I was going somewhere else with that. From <laughs> hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> hmm, hmm, hmm. It'll come to us. <laughs> and another image that uh, I play with here when we talk about power that they use to understand, talk about. The uh, relationship between systems. Can you see what I'm trying to draw? Yeah, a neur- neuron, a ner- nerve, a uh, neural cell, and a neural net. So you see, your brain has two billion of these, and s- I'm just going to draw three. So there are, and trillions in some synaptic connections, that little gap there. So this is, and Susan, you gave me that book before. Where are you? Yeah, this is how the whole notion of network and the organizers and Spirit in Spirit and Action or in Fritjof Capra's uh, uh Books that's this has become, and Grandmother Spider has reemerged as a chief actor here, as we're seeing a web like nature to an aspect dominant aspect, not dominant act, pervasive aspect of the natural world and of our own bodies. So a lot of what we've been doing here is a way for us to understand some of this uh, in our being in the world today, Uh, not coming, approaching it as theory, but approaching it as our own knowing, seeing responses. For example, if... um, you were a nerve cell having bought into the old notion of power and you say oh, there's some bad painful information coming through the web you know what I'm going to do I'm going to build strong defenses and that little nerve cell built defenses oh, phew, it doesn't hurt anymore ah, ah. what happens to it? what? Well, it, 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 yeah, it, die. it atrophies and dies. And the uh, system of which it's a part is weakened. So in the despair work, in our honoring our pain for the world, uh, what we were really doing in part, one of many things we were doing, but we were... Um, why don't you hand me... Which I want blue... <laughs> Thank you. We were dismantling our automatic defenses because we're conditioned to have them. We're conditioned not to, to only say nice things. We're conditioned to not express fear. We're conditioned not to express hatred and aversion. And so we don't even know our own feelings. Our feelings become deadened and divorced from us. So in the Truth Mandala, we were... Um, Deconditioning ourselves from automatically putting up the defenses when we're uncomfortable. Okay, how am I doing on time? Yeah, twenty minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I better stop. But I'm not going to stop before uh, we talk about what kind of power this is. So. Um, when, if if um, is power something that a single nerve cell can have? No, the power is not in the system, but in the connection. It arises in our actions. I take a step, and you take a step, and the power arises from the activity. So the scientists call that synergy, and we can call that power with. So this is what you see in nature. This is what teachers, we were talking at lunch about Wonderful new teachings of strategies of nonviolence. This is the understanding behind uh, strategies of effective nonviolence. You change the behavior of the other in the relationship. As you change, they change. It cannot be predicted. In synergy, you cannot predict what is going to happen when two people or two Atoms come together. No one could have predicted that hydrogen and oxygen would produce wetness. So at every time, when there's collaboration, there is an emergent property. And this is a time of great emergence when, by acting together openly, without knowing what's going to come. So this takes risk and trust, just the opposite of control. So a wonderful book on this is um, by Buckminster Fuller called Two Volumes of Synergetics. He got just rhapsodic about um, what emerges when things come together and there's uh, these emergent properties and the... He got so excited about iron and nickel. <laughs> you put the iron together and the nickel together and their tensile strength that when you get the steel, it's not just the addition, the steel plus the iron. It's much more. So that's what we are finding in the great turning. That there is a, and that's how life works too, but I have to hurry up in what I'm saying. So... Um, so instead of uh, invulnerability, what? Just the opposite openness or being vulnerable. That's a high form of intelligence. Vulnerability brings an understanding and intelligence you can't get any other way, and that's crucial. And instead of uh, zero-sum or win-lose, what is it? Exactly. It's also win-lose-lose. And we don't know which, is going to, which way it's going to uh, act, which way uh, we're going to end up. So, uh, because we just have a few minutes left, you get the drift here. Um, part of the great adventure of the great journey is to uh, rediscover the authority that we can have, the power that we can have that comes from openness and collaboration. And that the, uh, you look at, at these institutions around us uh, that seem so terrifying and that are, uh, but they're, like our country, so heavily armored that it's hard to see. It's really hard to see when you have on a helmet and just a little tiny slit to peer through. You can't see what's going on. And if you're given a shove, you fall over, you can't get up by yourself. So you see that this is the age of the kind of uh, gorillas. These are the age of the kind of people that were in Terrier Square. This is the age where things are a huge activity of interconnecting and trusting uh, on, on the grassroots. A very different model of power, very different from what you see in classical science. So now I'm going to ask you to move it, uh, move it by dropping what you have, and moving to and this will be the last thing we do in this lesson to the uh, nobody can leave until you've got, yet, to move to the open space there, and we're going to put on the music, but not quite yet. are you glad to be alive now or what? I mean, really. All right, so you come here, and this is a way to show that you've known all along what I've been talking about, this kind of power. Because this is the way you are organized. This is the way you breathe. This is the way you digest. This is the way you make love. So you could say then, you know, we think, I'm going to build a peaceful world. Oh, is this so hard. But you know, we know how to do peace. Our body does it all the time. It's already here. You could even say, That my body and all these neural nets and your body, too, is living proof of peace on earth.
1: My body is living proof of peace on earth. My body is living proof of peace on earth. My body is living proof of peace on earth. I move in passion. I live in peace. Your body. Is living proof of peace on earth. Your body is living proof of peace on earth. Your body is living proof of peace on earth. You move in passion. You live in peace. Our bodies are living proof of peace on earth. Our bodies are living proof of peace on earth. Our bodies are living proof of peace on earth. Earth. We move in passion. We live in peace. 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 Is the absence of war no more? No more. A lot of people think peace is the absence of war. No more. No more. Peace is the presence a positive presence something to build for the future. If we can build the bomb we can construct the peace. If we can. Build We can build We can construct the peace The steps to peace Step one Start with your heart Find your passion for peace Open up your mind To a vision of release from fear Let the thoughts of war go Let the mental conflict end Peace is here and now, you know, not there and then. If we can build the farm, we can construct the peace. If we can build the farm, we can construct the peace. If we can build the farm, we can construct the peace. If we can build the farm, we can construct the peace. Step 2. Since people give to you, what you give to yourself. Don't give yourself grief You deserve some relief Love yourself Unconditionally Be a shiny example Be a beacon of peace Peace begins
0: with you And a person If
1: we can build the bomb We can construct the peace If we can build the wall, We can construct the peace If we can build the wall, We can construct the peace if we can build we can construct the peace. Step three. Forgive your family. The earth is a family just like your home. Everyone wants something to call their own. Sisters and brothers need a piece of the pie. Will they learn to survive before they die? Forgive your family. They did the best they could. Set your parents free. Let your siblings be. If we can build the bond, we can construct the peace. If we can build the bond, we can construct the peace. If we can build the bond, we can construct the peace. If we can build the bond, we can construct the peace. Step four. Love your neighbor, whether you like him or not. He's your brother. Learn to love them a lot. What you don't like in others is unresolved in you. Forgive your enemy. It's a victory for you. Let your love go out to the world. Let your love go out to the world. Be the first one on your block to do the peace with passion rock. Be the first one on your block to do the peace with passion rock. Be the first one on your block To do the piece with passion rock Be the first one on your block To do the piece with passion rock You can move your feet To the beat of peace Taste the sweet release Of peace on the street If we can build the block We can construct the peace. If we can build the block the movement, there's an international spirit of peace coming through, the spirit needs you to do all you can do, to make the difference, you're an integral part, don't underestimate the power of your heart, when it's open, it can open any door, bring food to the poor, and end the war. You're more than you think. Be all you can be. Join the army of peace for the family of man. Lead your brothers and sisters to the promised land. Join the army of peace for the family of man. Lead your brothers and sisters to the promised if land. If we can build the bomb, we can construct the peace. If we can build the bomb, we can construct the peace. If we can build the bomb, we can construct the peace. If Would you like it? The drill. <laughs> the drill is flowing. Um, I turned. I turned it up. That's why it's echoing. We're going to have. Uh, let's take about a ten-minute break and come back in for uh, closing instructions and talk. Yes. For what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> closing. We're not going home
1: yet. No, but we're we're going to get instructions. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Dharma